This is Masks Off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us, remove your masks, live your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I'm so excited to be here today. I am Kim. And I'm Tia. And we have Deborah Lee May with us today. So excited to have another guest on. They have been super fun. We, Tia and I have been having a blast having guests on. So as normal, we always start with a quote. And today's quote is, be bold enough to use your voice brave enough to listen to your heart and strong enough to live the life you imagine. Mm. And that's anonymous. I love that quote. Yeah. So big, deep breath on that one. And so Deborah, if you would like to tell us and your, our listeners a little bit about yourself in your own words, we'd love to hear. Well, thank you so much, Kim and Tia. You know, I'm so excited to be here. First of all, because I love your podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, a little about me, I am a resiliency and reinvention mentor. And I help women honor and reframe their past so they can use it as a foundation to to live a life that lights them up. And a little bit about me, I went through a very difficult time after leaving my corporate career And I think a lot of women can understand that. And the transition home to being with my kids um, was really hard for me. uh, I'm going to keep this very brief, but I I feel like I lost myself. I lost my personality, became very overwhelming. And I had always been so outgoing Mm -hmm. that one day I realized that I have to uh, figure it out or things will never change. And that's when I started my journey on coaching and courses and books and all that thing. And the most important part of that is I realized I wasn't the only one. I realized that there were other women out there who felt like this. And when I started feeling better, I started becoming very driven to help other women, which Mm -hmm. brings me to my coaching practice now. And so I'm so thrilled to be here with both of you. Thank you so much. I love Uh, that. And I mean, I resonate with everything you said. Yeah. I've had a similar experience as well as you know. So yeah, it's just great. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do we strengthen our voice and reclaim who we are because so many of us have lost ourselves in the process. So to start off with the question, why do we, why does it happen? How do we lose our voice? How do we lose track of who we are? What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's overwhelm. I mean, for women, especially, you know, now women coming out of COVID, they left their jobs to stay home and work from home while their kids are in school. So I just feel like I resonate with that, even though that wasn't my experience. My experience was coming home from a corporate career that I loved and having no clue of what to do with children. And so you start, instead of going in within and intuitively living your life, like maybe you've just naturally done that before, you start reaching out for other people to tell you what to do, or maybe it's just overwhelm that you, you know, you don't have time to think about it. So you just kind of push everything down and take care of tasks. And in the meantime of overwhelm, 
and not knowing what to do, I think we lose ourselves a little bit. We lose our voice. You lose that ability to really see who you are and um, what's the word I'm looking for and, and live your life and your days from that point, just trusting in your gut. And I think that's how it happens. Women are overwhelmed. Um, you think it's yeah. that survival day to day? Like I just got to get through this moment and that moment. And then you, we don't even take care of ourselves in the process either. Often well, self-care is non-existent. <laughs> I totally agree with that. You know, and part of going within and being intuitive, I think, you know, when we're growing up, you know, when you're coming out of high school, you're coming out of college, it's just so natural. You have more time on your hands to think about what you want to do tonight or, you know, what you're going to do at your job or whatever it is. And suddenly now we've added children and husbands perhaps, or, you know, careers. And you're right. That self-care to really figure out what we want and to feel good about ourselves has been, you know, all that time is used up. So, you know, I really believe in energy. So the better you feel about yourself, which is, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically, but also with the ability to go within, it really comes out in everything you do. That energy just, you know, um, brings in and it magnetizes what you want in your life. But when you've taken away all that time and you're just doing day-to-day tasks and taking Mm -hmm. care of children or, you know, helping them with school, in something you're not used to, it just, you know, completely shifts our consciousness of who we are and how we raise our families and how we interact in relationship at relationships. It really impacts every part of our life. And so for me, I like to share with women how you can easily go back within, you know, it's never too late. All these experiences, oh gosh, when you're overwhelmed, you're doing all these things, you know, I know I was, I was just swallowing everything, you know, I'll mm-hmm. take care of that later. I'll get to it later. And, you know, then the anger and the resentment starts building up and you're holding in everything that, you know, so you went from overwhelmed now to <laughs> ready to burst with bitterness, but no, you know, we keep our nice face on <laughs> what needs to be done um, mm-hmm. until we do burst. And then we take it out on the wrong person. And so, you know, it really just takes a little bit of time every day to focus on yourself, to refocus your thoughts, your mind, work on your body, your health, and you can get it all back. And then all those things that you've been holding on to, you know, you look at them differently. You kind of see your life. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it, it makes perfect sense because, well, um, Tia and I did an episode on the caretaker not too mm-hmm. long ago where we've talked about the caretaker and roles and things like that. And we also have our body, mind, spirit um, courses and our BYB and things of just nurturing the body, the mind, and the spirit. And I so relate to what you're saying because just like Sunday, I think a couple days ago, today is Tuesday, Sunday, I was doing a really good job of, you know, taking care of myself. I was feeling more balanced. I was out in nature and so on and so forth. And then yesterday, Monday, you know, the beginning of the week and I'm a list person. So I write my list and everything that I have to do. And all of a sudden this morning, I was so keenly aware of how much I was starting to 
speed up. Like Tar Brock mm. uses that all the time. We can be addicted. Like that can be an addiction of speeding up and doing, 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 because if I'm doing and I'm speeding up and I'm more productive, then somehow I have more worth and value because I'm more productive and doing all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, like I was so keenly aware that I was doing that. And I'm like, I had to consciously say, Kim, just breathe and slow down, just breathe and slow down. And sometimes that list of or having to do, do, do that overwhelm feels like a perceived threat for me personally. If I'm not achieving and accomplishing A, B, and C, then something really bad is going to happen. I don't know what the heck happened in my past, but whatever. If I don't get it all done and I'm not super competent, super overdoing, then what? Then am I a lazy human being? Maybe that's it, right? That could be the inner dialogue that some of us use if we're not super accomplished, super doing then and we're just being and chilling and Tia you and I've talked so many times about true resting like really being able to rest and somehow women can't do that we just so it's like yeah it was just so overwhelming and that perceived threat then creates this cycle of anxiety it's not a real threat there's no bear out there coming to get me but somehow or another if I'm not accomplishing my whole entire list it feels like the saber tooth tiger is coming at me. So I better get that list done. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa. Oh my God. I totally relate to that. And part of it, when you get through that list, you know, it's like, wow, I did it. But like, yes. at what cost? You know, exactly. At what cost did you do that? How stressed were you? And what, yeah. you know, what are the other things that happened? But I totally get that because it feels so good to make that list and just. Check them all off, right? Right, right. And you do lose yourself. What we're supposed to. Exactly. And you do lose your sense because going back to full circle, how we started the conversation, at least I know that when I'm caught in the doing and I'm not in the human being, I lose my sense of self. Mm -hmm. Just in saying that I'm a human doing, not a human being, I'm losing my sense of self. Right. And you know what, it was so busy. I always felt like, you know, you're so busy, you're doing all these things, you're you're checking off your list and people start, for me, I was a major people pleaser. So people start asking you to do things and whether you want to say no or not, it's like, you'll just get it done faster if you do it yourself. So yeah, I got that. We'll do that. And so you start taking on other tasks outside of just your list. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that was huge for me, excuse me, when I quit my job, I kind of fell back into that caregiver role that I was growing up and I started taking care of everything and just saying yes and I really lost not only my sense of self but completely lost my voice what I felt like was my personality and you know that's just kind of a downward spiral because once you start losing your voice and not feeling good about yourself it doesn't get better it gets worse until you figure out how to turn that around right you know how to take yeah, it's almost like the people pleaser mask, the people pleaser and losing your voice go hand in hand. If you're a people totally. pleaser, you're you're losing your voice a right. good majority of the time. Because you're taking care of everyone else but yourself. You're not even asking yourself, what do I need? Yeah. You know, because if you're saying yes to all these things that you don't want to say yes to, you've already abandoned yourself. 
in that moment. And you're doing all the shoulds and supposed tos rather than, wait, I have a choice here. I love what you you both talked about on um, sleep. You know, it's Mm. like, you're so exhausted taking care of everyone that I would just, you know, fall and do, you know, just a couple of hours because Mm -hmm. I had to get up and do it all again. So there's no time, even for a good night's sleep. What did Mm -hmm. you call it earlier? Resting. Just resting. True rest. True rest. That's beautiful. It really is hard. The thought of that is just like so nice in my mind. (laughs) I know, but actually creating the space to rest can be challenging for a lot of people. Yes. And quieting your brain enough and quieting your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And putting all that aside, all the lists aside. It's very hard. And it's one thing like to say, okay, I'll put five minutes. And even I think for many women, that's hard. And it was for me at one point, I can say, okay, I can do a five minute meditation, but to take a whole hour or two hours to just do zero, nothing is like, you know, it, it just doesn't go with our society and the conditioning that mm-hmm. we're supposed to be productive and doing all the time. And if you're not, you're somehow falling short and failing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so funny that you say that, Kim, because it's so counterproductive and counterintuitive to what it is. When you slow down, you actually accomplish more. Exactly. You do it better. You yeah. feel better. Your relationships are stronger. You know, you're releasing some of that stuff that I like to kind of call it the angst that we're, you know, yeah. that we're all holding yeah. in. I mean, even this morning, and I do this when as soon as the weather gets nice, I try to take a walk in the morning. Every morning I say, Oh, you don't have time. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll just do it tomorrow. And I have to stop myself and say, I know I'll feel so much better on just a little 10 minute walk to get outside in nature and open up your thoughts and just, just be. And it's such a a, a beautiful shift. It is. And so why do you think it is so hard? I mean, we have our ideas. I'd love to hear your thoughts of taking that 10 minutes to just do that walk when you know it helps, you know, it sets the day off better for you. But we have that, oh, I don't have time, all of that. So where does that come from and how do we shift it? So how have you noticed that you've been able to shift it or with, for yourself or with your clients? Um, I love this question because to me, it's really about releasing the thoughts that we're holding on to. It's releasing the memories and the circumstances and everything that we have floating in there. I know for myself, I have a very stringent morning routine Actually, my family teases me about my morning routine. (laughs) But if I don't do it, I don't feel as good. Mm. So I need to get up and do a series of prayers and affirmations and journaling and just completely shift my energy because no matter how many years I've been doing this, I still wake up with this anxiety in my throat of all the stuff I have to do. And I think, how did I used to do, how did, how did I do this? How did I, you know, feeling like this and just keep adding to it through the day. No wonder I was so angry. No wonder I had so much bitterness. So now I make sure that I release it. I get it out. And I don't think to answer your question is that um, women understand the benefit of taking time for them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just change how you feel about yourself. I know when my energy's good, 
I notice my family or any connections or who I'm talking to is so much better. Everything changes around you, Mm -hmm. you know, because what you put out is what you bring in. And I know when I started feeling better, when I started feeling a shift, I was the, the thing I was most shocked about is I was embarrassed to do anything. I didn't tell anybody I was doing any of these things. Right. But I noticed my family. I noticed people around me treating me different. And because we all learned when we were little that people treat you in the same way you feel about yourself. And so when you start taking time to put yourself first, to make sure that you're in a place that you're feeling secure and genuine with who you are, it, it changes everything around you. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the miracle. So I don't, not sure if I actually answered your question, um, but I don't think they understand how, how important it is and how life changing in every area. Right. Right. And it Indeed. culture tells us it's, you know, a selfish thing. You, oh, are we, and we internalize that like, Oh, we don't have time for ourselves. We have to take care of everyone else. But when we actually take care of ourselves, then we're also showing our kids that we're important. So then they start to take care of themselves. So it starts to create that shift, but it is hard. And some days are easier than others. And other days are harder to take that time because, you know, if the to-do list is super long, it's like, no, I don't have time to take that walk. But the reality is we always have the time. We just have to make ourselves that priority. So what we put out, you know, we fill our cup and then we have more to spill out onto everyone else with a true place of connection versus obligation. Oh my God. You just said that perfectly. I totally relate and resonate to that. And I was just thinking of this quick story about my kids. I have two daughters. They're both in their 20s. And about the time they were going to college, I was still in a terrible spot. And um, all I wanted was to keep our relationship close. And so when they were home, or my youngest one hadn't gone yet, but um, I did everything, you know, do you want to go to lunch? Do you want to go shopping? Do you want to take a walk? You know, I just tried to do what will make them want to hang out with me? What will make them want to be with me? And then I started changing a little bit. And when I started focusing more on myself and stepping in more into who I am now versus constantly wanting to go back and be that person that's impossible and and really feeling um, better about me, our relationships got so much closer. And so it's been this like amazing transition. And one day I noticed they would come home and make dates with me. You know, it wasn't just me going after them. It was, do you want to come out to lunch with me and three of my closest friends? And this is my mom. And it was such a huge transition for me. And I think that's probably what really, you know, the momentum really started. But um, when you start working on you, you just, you know, it's just such an amazing transition. I love that story and that memory. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Aww. Yeah, I totally agree. I can relate to that too. Um, because as soon as I start, well, two things. When I started to really focus on taking care of myself and I started to follow Shafali and I learned more about conscious parenting and really worked on my stuff, my inner stuff. I just became, my energy changed and shifted. And my relationship with my kids before that wasn't 
the way I showed up with them, I wasn't happy about how I showed up. I was definitely, you know, in a place of lack and scarcity and need, you know, and that what you just said, like, oh, wanting them to spend time with me. And they were becoming, they were adolescents at the time and, and developmentally and naturally their inclination is to go away from me. (laughs) So it's like, what? But, and at the same time, I was also like, you know, a crazy woman because everything triggered me, right? Everything triggered me then because I had so many holes within myself, but as I did the work and I started to heal and I became more whole as a person, my energy shifted. And now when I show up with them, I just show up. I'm just there. Mm-hmm. Without I, expectations. No expectations at all. It's like, hey, okay, you want to connect? You want to do, okay, great. Nope, you've got this. Okay, see ya. You know, or whatever. It's not, I'm not coming from need anymore. And not only that, because I love everything you just said, it's like when you're not coming from need and you're supported within and you feel good, I can support them yeah. so much better. You know, yeah, I'm 100%. open to listen. I'm open to you know, whatever is on your mind and I'm going to listen without judgment because right now I'm secure within myself. I don't need you to be what I always dreamt you would be. I want you to be you and I can support you and love you because I already feel that way and I don't need anybody else to do that for me. Exactly. It's an amazing transition. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. And, And when you do the work and we're doing, and this shift happens, we're changing generations. We're breaking generational patterns and changing, even if it's one iota, one little shift in the way that your daughters, my daughter, my son, Tia's daughters, whoever has kids and they make just those shifts is changing so many future generations. I th- I have a coach that I work with. Remember I told you this, Tia, that um, Deborah said, I can't remember exactly the number, but I think she said that when you're making these kinds of changes, this internal work that, and I don't understand how you change past generations, but she said, you can heal, let's just say like seven generations back and like four or five generations forward, just by doing the healing work and changing just, just me, one person, just you, one person and Tia and whoever else that's like profound shifts. I believe that, and that is such a powerful statement. And, you know, you think about your family. We love them so much, but we don't always get along, right? Right. So I've had so much, you know, difficulty in my family, but I've changed relationships with everyone, you know? The funny funny part is that they might not feel it's changed, but I feel (laughs) it's changed, and that's Yeah. And that's all you can right? because it comes back to we can only control ourselves and our perceptions, our thoughts, our beliefs, how we feel. Yeah. And even if they may not, they may have their still have the same perspective. If we feel solid, that helps the relationship because you're no longer in that dynamic with that person that you used to be in. Now it's from that place of I don't expect you to respond a different way. I don't need this because I'm whole and complete on my own. And it's really profound when you start to take care of your own needs from within, like you were talking about, Deborah, because 
we're told often, you know, the other completes you or you're so they're supposed to fulfill your Jerry needs. McGuire. Yeah, that, that should just never have been said. Um, you know, but it goes not just when romantic relationships, but like you're saying with your kids and all, you know, we want this or that. But the reality is it's no one else's job to fulfill our needs. It's our job to take care of ourselves and if others do things for us that is coming from that open-hearted space, that's just added beauty in our life. But it's not coming from that place of need, lack, or control. You know, as Shafali says, that's not love. You know, what most people think of love is need, lack, and control, but that's not. That is conditional love. And that is not coming from a place of open-hearted connection. It's coming from a, that broken place within us looking at the other to fix us, but we can only fix ourselves, but we're really not broken. There's nothing to fix. It's just healing and integrating. That's so good. And, you know, I learned about Dr. Shafali from you, Tia. (laughs) I had never heard of her before. So I told Tia this last week, I am so into her book. I can't put it down. So good. And um, I feel like things happen in your life synchronistically, when they're supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so, you know, that <laughs> healing within, that healing with family, brothers, sisters, whoever it is, um, and then finding the mentors and the coaches and what you need at that moment. And yes. I'm just blown away by her book. And I noticed you both brought her up. And so um, just, you know, just really incredible thought work. It is. And it challenges the system. And, you know, so for our listeners, if you don't know what book we're referring to, to, it's A Radical Awakening. Uh, It's her newest book that came out in May. And it shakes it up. I mean, I know people who are new to her work reading this book, you know, who took the 10 day course, and they're like, wait, what? This is I've never thought of this. And so it takes a tribe and like you said, a mentor, a coach, someone, you know, we can't always find this on our own and we need the support of others to point out what we don't see. And it's from that open, loving space, not a space of you have to change. No, this is an invitation. That book is an invitation. You know, the work you do is an invitation to people. So how I feel about that book is that she put into words what I'm going through. Mm. You know, you always like to find when somebody has defined it and put it into words. And if you're, you know, to some people, it may take them a little bit aback because it's about changing your beliefs Mm -hmm. of who you are and who you're becoming. Right. And what you need. And I just, I have a funny word. I, I always kind of talk about like taking care of yourself from within and all over. Like, I like to use the analogy is like you teach your babies how to put themselves to sleep. You know, it's like self-soothing. You take care of what you need. So you're not looking for it from everybody else. Right. And you can open that space to be in here and see what the rest of the world is up to versus from the vision of your pain. Right. And when we're looking for others for that, they can't meet them because they're coming from their place that has their own holes. So Dr. Shafali Raleigh refers to, you know, it's the twin beggar syndrome. I was just going to say the twin beggar. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I need this from you. You have to do, but it's not possible because when then we're always going to have expectations and resentment and disappointment because no one can meet us how we need it because only we know that within us. And they're going to, you know, when I try to meet another's need, 
I'm coming from my conditioning, my beliefs, my belief of what I think they need, but it's not necessarily what they actually need. (laughs) You know, it's so funny that you said it like that, because, you know, I think that's how women lose their voice. And one of the things we started talking about is you start becoming who you think they want you to be. Exactly. And that's how your voice comes out. You know, there's, you know, women have all those voices where the person that you know, we think our teachers need us to be, or, you know, the voice that we use for our kids or the voice that we use with our husband, whatever it is, but by journaling or meditating or, you know, any number of ways, you start listening to your own voice again. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that voice that's been lost. And it's such a wonderful transition. Mm -hmm. It's so empowering. Um, And to start to trust ourselves again. Yes, exactly. Mm. I totally, totally agree. As a former and still, still at times can struggle with my voice as well. I mean, I've come so, so far, but, you know, again, talking about that perceived threat, right? It's, that's what it's usually about. If you go to the underneath, 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 what's underneath all that is survival, safety. So, if I'm afraid of using my voice because of rejection from the other or, you know, abandonment or whatever, you know, being put down, I'm going to, that's another way of then shutting the voice down because when we were kids and we were young, we inherently knew, we knew, I knew. And then I was told, you know, from either peers or caregivers or whoever, like, no, no, that's not okay. Or no, no, that's not right. Or how dare you say something like that? So like, disrespectful. So disrespectful. <laughs> like, where, who are you to think blah, 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 right? So then you just kind of find a way of being that is that feels safe. And often in that need to feel safe, you're losing who you truly are. I and mean, we've talked about this so much. And so does Dr. Shafali talk about it, you know, at length in her book as well. So it comes down to that safety. So how can we, how can we feel safe and realize that it's a perceived threat, not a real threat and still find that strength and just muster it from within and say, you know what? Hey, this is what I think. This is what I feel. This is what I believe and put it out there. Like, how do we find that? How do we do that and maintain that? Well, I'm going to say for me, it's all about journaling. Um, I, you know, it took me a few years. It wasn't overnight. It took me a few years to get into a journaling practice where I just, I trust my own sense. If there's a memory coming up, whether it's this morning or 20 years ago, you know, I trust that it was brought there for me to take a look at. And so I just, I just journal it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been something that happened on Thursday and I journal it out. And a couple of things that happens when you journal free write, you know, no grammar, no punctuation, <laughs> no rules, just what's on your mind. Yeah. And I like to say the difference between that and maybe sharing it with a friend inventing is that, you know, there's always like some backstory you have to say, or, uh, you know, then you realize that maybe they're not seeing it the same way you are. And so then you have to tell more of the story around that. When you get it out on your own, you already know this story. It's mm-hmm. just this incredible release of getting that out exactly the way you want it. 
And then you get all these incredible insights from them that are so empowering. You know, you see that, you know, maybe you saw it wrong. Maybe it wasn't exactly as you saw it or they meant something different. And to me, just this download of journaling, and that's just one way to do it. Um, but I'm just going to say what you said earlier, Kim, is that this isn't even a one and done. This is a daily practice. The same yeah. things come up often. And to me, I like to say, I'm, I'm at this point in my life, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it out. And if I have to write the same thing every day, mm-hmm. well, then so be it. Right. Well, I'm through it. And you know what? A year from now may come up again because that's how our mind works. You know, it's brought up for a reason, get it out. And suddenly you have all this open space. I like to call it white mental space. Mm. New thoughts, new ideas. You know, it's all about creating space in your life instead of going into these relationships already full, already overwhelmed, already, mm-hmm. you know, you're holding into this memory that came up because, you know, your dad said something when you were a child, you know, it's time to let this go. And, and not only does it, you know, help in your day to day and just creating space, but it, you start becoming who you're supposed to be. What am I supposed to see and experience and do at this point in my life versus yeah. holding on to something from before? And, um, you know, I'll just take that one step further. It has allowed me to reimagine everything that I ever mm-hmm. thought possible because mm-hmm. I have space and time. And, you know, there's that point where you're starting this transition where you think, well, I'm too old, excuse me, or it's too late. You're never too old. It's never yeah. too late. And there's always so much more. And to think that that is coming from a journaling practice, and it is, it's just about releasing whatever you're holding on to. Right. We, shining that light on that dark spot that's in there and getting it out is a practice, and, you know, some people I've talked to who resist journaling, um, you know, it's like, you can throw it away. You know, they're worried someone's going to read it. It's like, you don't have to hold on to what you wrote, you know? So if people are worried that other people are going to read their, those thoughts, you know, cause some big things can come up that, you know, are personal, or you may be super judgy when you're writing to begin with, because that just needs to come out. Um, so for people who are worried about that, you don't have to keep your journals. You don't have to keep the paper because the process, it's the process. It's not the holding on to what you wrote. It's what comes up within you as you are writing and moving through that. And what I love about that too, especially when you were saying, you know, just writing to write, you know, not worrying about punctuation is those inner truths then have the permission to rise up. And we wouldn't necessarily know what our inner truth is, what our inner knowing is, and that intuition piece you referred to earlier in this conversation, because it's been buried. But the journaling process allows for that to really show through that we are not able to necessarily intellectually get to, where when we journal, it bypasses a lot of that intellectual piece as long as you go long enough. Yes. And the practice. Yeah, I was just going to share that, you know, I, years after I started this, I shared with my older daughter that, you know, I never wanted them to see what I was writing. And she's like, who would care what you're writing? <laughs> you know, it's a whole different perspective. Exactly. Like, well, I care what you're writing. <laughs> but it just, and people really don't, but some people really, mm. that's a block. I've, I've had several clients who are like, that's a there. huge block. 
And honestly, I, I will share, I, when I started my journaling practice, because I was very resistant to that as well. I'm like, I'm not a writer. That's not what I do. But I, it's the non-attachment piece of life. I actually threw away all my journals I, when I was, I was decluttering. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need these. I don't need them anymore. And I know some people who keep them and it's really important, but I was practicing non-attachment and it's like, whatever I need, I will journal again in the moment or feel that. So it wasn't like worried that someone would read them. It was literally like, that's not in the present anymore. I love that. That was such an empowering suggestion that I think I have to look into that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we keep. St- I mean, I don't know what your stack was, but mine was pretty big by that time. Mine has taken up all my memory on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it's so a, where you get attached to that, and you yeah. know, and for some people that's important. So there's no judgment if people hold on to it. But yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, and I love that you did that. Just you know, surrendered it all, and just yeah. let it go. Yeah, because yeah. everything I have is here. Mm-hmm love that so much thank you yeah great Mm -hmm. practice for sure so this has been awesome this has been such a good conversation are there any like last thoughts before we go into the rapid fire questions um you've offered so (laughs) many so many tools already and for tidbits for people to take away yeah and after we do the questions you can share your free gift for everybody too. Yeah. So save that to the end after the question. Yeah, excellent. I'm just so thrilled to be there. This has been so much fun. I don't even want it to end. So that's what <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe, you know, we've always said, maybe we have people back again a second time. Excellent. Absolutely. Conversations because it is, we could, Kim and I can talk forever about all of this type of work and the process and the journey that we all unfold in our own way. So the journey doesn't end, right? It's about the journey, not the destination. And it doesn't end until, until it ends. (laughs) There is no destination. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So there's lots of opportunities to talk for sure. Exactly. Thank you. Um, Actually, you know what? I have one, one question quickly that I want to ask you before we do the rapid fire. Because you, when we talked before, you talked about reinvent, reclaim, and reimagine. Do you want to just give our listeners a little idea of what that is? Oh, I would love to. Um, You know, most people, they don't call it reinvention, but that's really what you're doing. You know, to me, reinvention is becoming that next level you. You know, becoming who you are now without that. I always like to use that because I spent years trying to be that person I used to be. Mm instead of taking all of those experiences and making them, allow them to make me stronger and becoming who I am now. So I talk about reinvention and we do that by reclaiming who we are at the core. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's getting rid of all that stuff we're holding on to and whether you're doing it through journaling or release, uh, forgiveness or you know, numerous different practices in finding your voice and being at your most powerful self is yeah. just reclaiming who you are. Mm, I love that. Your power. And then, as I said earlier, it opens so much space that, you know, it's reimagining and suddenly there's so many more opportunities. There's so many more connections, friends, clients, whatever it is, closer relationships that we didn't even know existed because you're holding on to so much of the past. And so that's what, my whole thing is about reinvention, reclaiming, and then reimagining. And thank you for asking mm, that question. I love that. The three R's. 
All right. So our closing questions, what is the most prominent mask that you feel you wear? Mm. Um, oh, I kind of wish I had had this one ahead of time. I think the most prominent mask I wear is that um, everything's always just going to be perfect. Everything's mm. perfect. Mm. You know, um, put yourself together and go out there and pretend mm. that everything's perfect. And my guard goes up when I, when I see people who I maybe hadn't seen since I was going through a really hard time. And so part of me is already stepping right back into, oh, oh no, no, everything's perfect now. Wow. <laughs> Nothing's ever perfect. Right. right. <laughs> um, but then when I find myself wearing that mask and then I get in the car and I beat myself up a mm. little bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I love that how you notice when you see someone you haven't seen in a while, it's more likely to pop back up. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Interesting point. Yeah. Okay. So if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Oh, that is so easy. Well, after I saw my kids, because I've got one in Denver, one in LA, I'd go right to Aruba and, <laughs> and just lay on the beach for a week, oh. um, you know, and take my husband with me and just relax for a week. Sounds lovely. It has been a crazy year and a half for everyone, not mm-hmm. just me. And I think everybody could take a little time too. And the beaches you know. in Aruba are beautiful. <laughs> Heat, water. You're good. <laughs> it doesn't really matter where. <laughs> um, okay, third question. What's your favorite way to take care of yourself? Um, I love to work out. That was an easy one for me. Um, I work out five or six mornings a week and whether it's 15 minutes or an hour, I always feel like as long as I move my body, as long as I move and my legs aren't stiff (laughs) and I keep, it keeps my energy high. So definitely the best way to take care of myself. Love that. To move. So if you have a bucket list, what's at the top of it? Um, Living close to my kids. Living, and you know we're we're separated now. They're older, and um, as soon as one of my children gets married and have kids, I need to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's yeah. really the top of my bucket list. And the second one is building my business. Love it. Mm-hmm. But family first for me always. Love it. And the last one, name. This one is often hard for people because they can only name one. But what is one book that changed your life? Oh. Um, well, there's a lot. Uh, what comes to mind immediately, because I use this answer all the time, is outrageous openness. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Osha Silver, and I'm probably saying her name wrong. And I've loved every book she's written. What's your so name again? Tosha. It's T, and I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. T O S H A Silver, I believe it is. And the first book I read of hers was Outrageous Openness. And it was so beautiful. And her next one was even better, but start there. Mm. All right. Well, I'll add that to my to-read list, which is yeah. nice and long, oh, yeah. but <laughs> definitely one to, to check out. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so, so much, Deborah, for being on today. So for all of our listeners, if they want to find you, reach out to you, how can they do that? Where can they find you? Uh, well, they can find me on Facebook at Deborah Lee May or Instagram. My website is DebraLeeMay.com. And every Thursday morning, I have a clubhouse at nine o'clock in the entrepreneur room. And it's called Reinvent, Reclaim, and Reimagine. Um, awesome. And I would love to. It's a very open, inclusive room. 
we like everyone to have their say and we've had some great discussions. I would love to see, invite everyone to join us. Love that. And you have a free gift for our listeners? <laughs> and you'll be surprised to hear it's the, the name of it is <laughs> reinvent, reclaim and reimagine. And it's just some very simple journaling tips that can start you on your journey or reconnect you with your journey wherever you are Love along it. the way. What a beautiful gift. And especially after yeah. sharing the journaling um, experiences and how you've seen, and that's your go-to. I think that's great. That'll be. Yeah, really absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And all of this will be in the show notes as well. So, um, you know, we'll have it all there for the listeners and viewers to find it. Exactly. Can I just say, I am so honored to have talked mm-hmm. with you. This was such a great hour. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much. I mean, I tell Tia all the time and the listeners that when I come on, it is as much for me as anything that I may or may not be giving out. I just feel so, when I get done with these conversations and talk about this stuff, like you said, when you work out, that energizes you. This energizes me. I'm like ready for the day. You know, I love these conversations. Me too. I, do. I feel the same way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your tidbits. It's been great to have you on, Deborah. It's been yes. lovely. And thank you, everybody, for your support, as always, and for listening and viewing. And this episode will be out soon. So be on the lookout. That's right. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. And we look forward to having you tune in again. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact us. Remove your masks. Live your life. See you next time on Masks Off.